Well, hey, good morning, good morning. Uh, fun facts about that video, I'm 90% sure that we were trespassing. Um, so I'm not 100%, so if you're a cop, I didn't know at the time, I'm innocent. Uh, but if you would, open your Bibles to uh, John chapter 13, verse 23. If you don't have a Bible, but you'd like one, uh, would you just slip up your hand? Somebody from our awesome usher team would love to give you one that is yours to keep forever and ever. It is our gift to you. Uh, or you can just use it, you know, for today. That works as well. But otherwise, if you're not like a physical Bible type of person, there is this awesome app called the Bible app or the version Bible app. Uh, you can download it for free wherever you download your apps. All the notes, all the scripture that we're going to be using today is going to be loaded on there already for you. If you're watching online, I just want to take this time to say welcome. We're pumped that you're joining us wherever you might be. And shout out to all the Green Bay people who are here. Uh, you can, yeah, I mean, you made it. Even if you went to the, the Paul McCartney concert last night, I'm very impressed that you're here at the early <laughs> service. Uh, but you chose a good Sunday to be here. If you're wondering who I am and where that usual guy is with the shiny head and the, the ombre beard, uh, my, name is, my name is Brady. Uh, I get to be the youth pastor here at Life Church, uh, which means that I get to hang out with students on Wednesday nights. Uh, but that also means I'm used to talking with students, uh, which means if you want to Snapchat your friends, talk to your neighbor, pay zero attention to me, oh, I would feel right at home. That would mean, <laughs> that would mean the world to me. Uh, but today we are kicking off the Young Gun series, which apparently is a movie. Um, I had no idea. I've never seen it. Uh, so Pastor Sean almost cut me from the team, but luckily uh, he didn't. I don't know why, but I did not see the movie still. Uh, but today we are kicking off this series with a talk we're calling How to Be Secure. How to Be Secure. So let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for all these cool people that are here with us today. And thanks for all the cool people that are joining us online. I pray that we learn how to be secure today. I also pray that you are with Coach Matt LaFleur this offseason. Give him wisdom, understanding, and knowledge to bring home what is rightfully ours. We love you. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Uh, so oof, we'll be praying for whoever said go Lions. Um, so something that I've learned over the past few years of doing student ministry, of doing teen ministry, is that all teenagers have this incredible gift. They all have this incredible talent of pointing out what my insecurities are and letting me know all about them. So a few years ago, this crazy thing started happening. Uh, my body started changing. Now, 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 it's not like that kind of body change, right? It's, uh, we're, not gonna, we're not gonna do that on Sunday morning, but instead, uh, my hair started to, to shrink a little bit. My hair actually used to look like this. I think we have a slide somewhere. Maybe not, maybe not. But it was really long. Uh, it was, there it is. Oof, yeah, yeah. So it used to be greasy. It used to be long. It used to be luscious. Uh, but most importantly, it used to be plenty. And then a few years later, you get what you see today, uh, a receding hairline and really thin hair. But it gets worse every year. I'm not sure what that's all about. Uh, somebody told me that's what time does, whatever that means. But back to students being able to pick out my biggest insecurity. A lot of teenagers like to make fun of my hairline, which whatever, I don't care. A lot of them go, oh, hey, Pastor Brady, I have a prayer request. Could we 
pray for your hairline? And I go, whatever. Or, or they just come up to me. This is not original. They just go, hey, Pastor Brady. I don't even know what that, like, what does that mean? But they, that's, that's what they do to me. But honestly, I don't mind. Please don't feel bad for me because I always say the same exact thing. I say, hey, 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 I can fix my hair. You know, there's Rogaine, there's lasers or something, but nobody can fix ugly, except maybe God. So, so let's pray about that. And usually, and usually the teenager is just so taken aback that their youth pastor just called them ugly that they go, uh, okay, yeah, let's pray. And I go, <laughs> so, so uh, I, liked, I would like to tell you that it's just because uh, I like to show them how to pray, but I just think it's funny, if I'm being honest. Uh, that's, that's the main reason that I do it. And it's one of the best parts of my job. But the fact is, we are all insecure about something. So maybe for you, maybe it's your weight, maybe it's the house or the apartment that you live in. Maybe it's the amount of money that you make or the job that you have or the job that you don't have. Or maybe for you, it's your age or your height, or it could be the school that you went to or never went to or never graduated from. It could be your relationship status. It could be the car that you drive. Whatever your insecurity might be, we're all insecure about something. In fact, studies have shown that 79% of all Americans are dissatisfied with the way that their bodies look. Only 19% of people are comfortable with their rate of pay, and 42% of people over the age of 40 are embarrassed about their age. There are so many things that can cause our insecurity, but it's easy to become insecure when we're scrolling through Instagram or Facebook or whatever social media that you might use because we are comparing our lowlights to everyone else's highlights. And that's not healthy for so many reasons, but despite social media being a relatively new thing, 10, 15 years, something like that, insecurity is not a relatively new thing. In fact, we can learn something about insecurity from the disciple John in John chapter 13, verse 23. But before we read that, to give you some context, Jesus was chilling with the disciples here, right? This is his inner circle. These are the homeboys, and they're hanging. They're doing what they're doing. And Jesus predicts his betrayal. Boom, drops the mic. He goes, one of you will betray me. And the disciples, the Bible says, were at a complete loss for words. Now, if I was there, I think I would immediately start going, ah, Jesus, um... Thomas was doubting you earlier. It might, it might be him. Or uh, Jesus, you know, James, I've always thought he was kind of slippery. Could be him. I don't know, Jesus. But luckily, that is not what the disciples did. The disciples were at a loss for words. And then the Bible says this. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Now, it's important to know here that it is typically John who is the disciple who Jesus loved. That's who we know, that's commonly known is the, the disciple who Jesus loved is commonly known as John. But what's funny about this is that the only time John is referred to as the disciple who Jesus loved is in the book of John, which John wrote. So, so, so John here calls himself the disciple who Jesus loved, which I think is hilarious to me. But what makes it even better is that many scholars believe that it was Lazarus who is in fact uh, the one Jesus loved. And it kind of makes sense. Once I dug into this a little bit deeper, I mean, Jesus wept after Lazarus had died. He then raised Lazarus from the dead, which, you know, not to compare, but Jesus did not raise John from the dead, and he did raise Lazarus from the dead. But to recap here, John is so confident 
that he tries telling us that, yeah, I'm the guy Jesus loves the most, way more than all those other sinners he hangs out with. He loves me the most. John wants us to believe that he is somehow better, that he is just that awesome. But after spending some time here and digging a little deeper, I don't think John was actually all about himself. I don't even think John was super confident in himself. But instead, I think John was confident in who he was with Jesus. You see, with Jesus, John was loved. With Jesus, John was favored. And with Jesus, John had a friend. And I think John was so self-aware of who he was with Jesus that his own insecurities, that his own self-image issues were just minimized. John knew he was loved, but more than that, he knew that he was so loved. Tim Tebow said it best in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal eternal life. For the record, uh, I do know that it was not Tim Tebow who said that, but I love that verse for about a million and a half reasons, but I love that we are not just loved. I love that it says God so loved the world. He so loved you. And John, I think, knew this better than anyone. John's self-image issues, John's insecurity didn't matter because John knew that he was so loved. And we see John call himself the disciple who Jesus loved three times, or a few other times, but I want to focus in on three times that he says it after this. The next time we see John call himself the disciple who Jesus loved is at the cross. In John chapter 19, verse 26 and 27, it says, When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. Now, I would not recommend calling your mom dear woman ever, uh, but Jesus has a pass here. And he said to this disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. Now, to be clear, this, uh, this wasn't just Jesus walking past on the sidewalk. At this time, Jesus was literally carrying the cross. This was not an easy time for Jesus, and this was not an easy time for those who loved Jesus. The Bible says that he was beaten beyond recognition. There was a lot of blood. There were a lot of tears. There was a lot of heartache. But through the heartache, John found security in who he was with Jesus. While carrying John's sins, while paying John's debt, Jesus chose John. While paying our debt, while carrying our sins, Jesus chose us. And you may not know this, uh, but I, uh, I used to play baseball. Uh, that's true. Uh, I know it seems real quick transition there. Uh, but uh, I used to play baseball. In fact, I used to play softball when I was in elementary school. But then I hit sixth grade, and I go, i got to put this baby stuff behind me. I'm going to play baseball. Uh, no offense to those of you who play softball. Uh, but uh, I was, I, was I, I don't mean to brag, but I was kind of an all-star when it came to softball. I mean, I was spitting out sunflower seeds like it was my job. I was hitting home runs left and right. I was a high roller. There's, there's that song that goes, uh, nothing can stop me. I'm all the way up. You guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, that song was basically how I felt in song form. So naturally, I'm thinking, I'm going to be making this jump from softball to baseball. This is going to be a breeze. This is going to be a cakewalk for someone as gifted and talented as me. But I was so wrong. I was so, so wrong. I sucked at baseball. I was awful at baseball. Coach put me in right field. And I'm not talking just right field. I'm saying, he goes, Brady, uh, go deep right field. Um, 
And for those of you who know anything about sixth grade baseball, you could put a chair out in right field and it would see all the same amount of action. Uh, I was embarrassed at this time. I was ashamed. Uh, I got sidelined. I felt like I was no longer the chosen one, getting put out in, 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 in right field. But then coach one day, halfway through the season, he goes, Brady, come here. Come here. I want to talk to you. We're going to change your position. I'm thinking, finally, coach, you know, put me in. I'm a naturally born pitcher. Put me in. And he goes, um, I think your talents would be better utilized as bat boy. And I go, what, coach? Are you serious, coach? I was embarrassed, right? I, I felt like I was, I was not the chosen one like I was in softball. And I think at times in our life, it's easy to feel like we are not the chosen one. We didn't get chosen maybe for the promotion that we were due, or maybe your girlfriend dumps you out of the blue, or, or maybe you didn't get invited to that event that everyone else seems to be going to, or maybe your spouse chooses guys' night or girls' night over date night. It's when we are not chosen when our insecurity comes flooding in. And here's what I don't want you to miss. Jesus showed John and Jesus showed us that on the cross, we are chosen. John 15, 16, Jesus says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I chose you. When insecurity says that you're alone, when insecurity says you're not good enough, when insecurity says you're a nobody, Jesus says, no, 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 no. I chose you. I chose you. John was secure in who he was because Jesus chose him. And the next time that we see John call himself the disciple who Jesus loved is at the tomb. First one was at the cross, now at the tomb. John chapter 20, verse 2 through 4 says, She ran and found Simon P Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus left. She said, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. So here we are again. The author, John, is getting a little braggy. You know, not, you know, not only is he the disciple who Jesus loved, but he's also faster than Peter. Uh, so I, I guess he wanted us to, to know that. Apparently it's important to know that he is the fastest disciple, so don't race John. Uh, moving on, though, uh, in verse 8, it says, Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first, we get it, John, also went in. And he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. So for those of you who are taking notes, make sure to write down John is fast. But also note that this is a moment where Jesus had been dead for three days. For three days. The disciples were uneasy. In fact, scripture says that in the days following Jesus' death, the disciples were meeting behind closed doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Now, I don't know about you, but there are a lot of times that I can feel afraid, that I can feel uneasy. And one of those times is whenever I'm in line for a roller coaster. I kind of have this love-hate relationship with roller coasters. Like sometimes like, oh yeah, that'd be super fun. And then you get in line and it's just like terrifying and you just kind of want to stand there and you're smelling the people next to you and you just don't want to go on the roller coaster. My very first roller coaster ride. Uh, I went to Six Flags with my family and my two sisters. Now, I have two sisters. The older one is Danielle, who's actually going to be talking in just a few weeks. Weeks, You don't want to miss that. Uh, she's, she's the best, but she's also older than me. And I have a younger sister, Abby, 
Uh, and uh, my very first time at Six Flags, my very first time riding a roller coaster, I asked my sisters, I said, hey, let's do this. Danielle immediately goes, no, you're crazy. I'm not doing that. Abby goes, yeah, let's do it. I'm in. Let's do this roller coaster ride. So we stood in line for the Viper. I don't know if you've ever ridden this roller coaster. It's not that intense, but I was terrified at the time. This was my very first roller coaster. So Abby and I are in line. We're just trying to like one up each other at this time. Like, you know, I'm not scared. I'm pumped about this roller coaster. I'm pretty sure I love roller coasters. I know I've never ridden one, but this is, this is the one where I'm going to be pretty pumped. I can tell. And then we would both like laugh nervously and then it would just become silent because we were both actually terrified. Uh, the waiting though was awful. I made sure to say I love you to my parents because I didn't know what was going to wait me on the other side, await me on the other side. But uh, so here we are, we're at the front of the line, and the guy goes, hey, you two, come on over here, we're going to sit down. And so we step into our car, you know, we sit down, and then uh, we're like looking at each other like, okay, yeah, this is it. And then it's silent. We just don't say anything. We just know like, hey, we love each other, and that's, that's what matters most, you know, that's, that's it. And then, you know, they... They lock us in with the roller coaster. Now we're sitting here. We're just moments away from this thing launching when all of a sudden, Abby says, help, I can't get, I can't do this. Get me off here. I cannot do this. Help, 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 help. And I am frozen in fear. I am just like this. And Abby, Abby had no problem. Help, help, help. And so they, you know, unlock her thing. She gets out of the roller coaster and I'm just frozen. I remember this like a horror movie. And I'm just sitting here like this. I was so scared. And then they just lock nobody next to me. And then Abby, Abby goes, see you, Brady, have fun. Well, I, I, was, I was so afraid. Three, two, one, we were off to the races. And if I'm being honest with you, I don't remember much. I think I may have blacked out due to fear. Um, but obviously, I escaped with my life, and I live to tell the story. God is good. Um, Sometimes, though, I think this is a lot how the disciples felt, right? They knew something big was coming. They were fearful. They were insecure about what the future held for them. And the person that they loved the most had just been nailed to a cross. They were meeting behind closed doors. But when Simon Peter and that crazy fast guy John saw the empty tomb, they knew that they could be secure in the fact that Jesus is who he says he is because he did what he said he would do. And for you, when that company that you work for maybe suddenly closes its doors, when you or a loved one suddenly gets diagnosed with something horrible, when your ride or die ditches you last minute, we can still be secure in the fact that Jesus is who he says he is because he did what he said he'd do. We can be secure because there is an empty tomb. He can open new, new doors that didn't seem possible. He can bring peace when your sister ditches you last minute. Or he can calm whatever storm that you're in, and he can bring security when it seems impossible. John was secure in who he was because he knew who Jesus was. And if Jesus is who he says he is, then we too are who Jesus says we are. And the next time we hear John say that he is the disciple who Jesus loved is post-resurrection. So the cross, the tomb, and now the resurrection. And to paint the picture here, Simon Peter, John, and the other disciples are out fishing. And this is like their job. So they're like pros. They've done this hundreds of mornings, thousands of times. They've, they've fished in the mornings. And for some reason, this morning, they're not catching anything. 
but because this is their job, if they don't catch anything, it's hard to, to eat. It's hard to make a living. It's hard to survive. And this particular morning, they just couldn't catch anything. No fish were jumping in their nets, and they were struggling. Then Jesus is standing on the beach, and he yells to them, but they didn't know it was Jesus. Yeah, spoiler alert. Uh, they didn't know it was Jesus, but Jesus is hanging out on the beach, and he goes, hey, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. But even though these guys are experts, they're pros, they do this for a living, they listened, and they cast their nets on the other side of the boat. Once they do, they catch like a ton of fish, like so many fish that they couldn't haul in their nets. But what happens next can be found in John chapter 21, verse 7. It says this, Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard this, that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. So I want you to focus in, though, on the, for he had stripped for work. Uh, I have a lot of questions immediately. Uh, the first one that comes to mind, was he naked while fishing? Uh, the second one was, uh, is he naked with, an, with other fishermen? Are they naked as well? Did this help catch fish? Um, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I have no answers for you, if I'm being honest. I still don't know. Uh, but if you find that out, let me know. If, uh, if you actually don't, if you fish naked, don't tell me. I don't want to know. I lied. Uh, but putting those questions aside, I noticed that John and Peter were pumped. Like, hey, it's the Lord. They were so excited that Peter put on clothes to jump into the water. Uh, but he, they, they were pumped that it was Jesus. They weren't pumped necessarily that they caught a bunch of fish, which is exciting, don't get me wrong. But they were excited that Jesus was there. You see, they were stressed because they weren't catching any fish. But Jesus came and just took that out of the equation. And that's one of the best parts about Jesus. He just takes insecurity out of the equation. He takes stress out of the equation. Insecurity, it brings stress. Insecurity brings shame. Insecurity brings embarrassment. But being secure in Jesus brings fulfillment. Being secure in Jesus brings joy. Being secure in Jesus brings blessing. And I wonder how many of us are living a life of shame instead of a life of blessing. I wonder how many of us are living a life of embarrassment instead of a life of fulfillment. I wonder how many of us are living a life of stress instead of a life of joy, a life of insecurity instead of security. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. John was secure in who he was because he knew Jesus brings fulfillment. And as we wrap up this morning, I wanna leave you with three questions, with three questions. Number one, what is your insecurity? And you can be honest with yourself. You don't have to tell me. I don't want you to shout it out. But I want you to be honest about what your insecurity is because identifying what it is is the first step to finding security. And the second question I want you to ask yourself is are you talking with Jesus about it? Because talking about it openly and honestly is, with Jesus is key. Having a relationship with Jesus is exactly what John did, and he was secure in who he was with Jesus. But relationships, they require communication. And I think you'd be surprised to find out what prayer does for you and what prayer does for your insecurity. And the third question I want you to ask yourself is what does God say about you? The Bible says that you are God's workmanship, that you are greatly loved, that you are complete in him, that you are chosen. 
So I want you to take some time out of your day to find out what God says about you. And you can actually find out everything he says about you right here in the Bible. Once you find that out, or Google, honestly. Uh, if, once you find out what he says about you, who he says you are, I want you to write it down on a sticky note. I want you to put it on your mirror so that you can see it every day. Every morning when you wake up, the first thing you see is who God says that you are. When we know who God says we are, we can find security. What I, don't, what I want you to know, though, before you leave, is the difference between living a life of insecurity and living a life of security is living a life with Jesus. And it's super easy to start a life with Jesus. The Bible says that he died for you, which to me speaks volumes about what he thinks about us. He thinks that you're to die for. He thinks that we're all to die for. And something that we do every single Sunday at Life Church is give you an opportunity to begin our relationship with Jesus, an opportunity to begin your own Jesus journey. So would you close your eyes all across this place? And maybe you're here for the first time today. Maybe you've been coming for a good minute and you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. God is for you. He loves you. He so loves you. And he demonstrated that by sending his son, Jesus. And knowing this, I want to give you an opportunity to start a relationship with him. With, with no one looking around, I don't want to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you stand up or walk to the front. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed, but I would love to pray with you. If you'd like to start that relationship this morning, would you slip up your hand and make eye contact with me? I'd love to pray with you. Cool. Thanks. 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 I see you. Thanks. Anyone else? Thanks. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks. I see you over here. Thanks. I see you in the back. So cool. Would everyone in this room repeat these words after me? Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner and I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Come into my life. Change me. Be my Lord and Savior. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, would you do me a favor and grab that hello card that's in the seat back in front of you? And would you just check that yellow box that says, hey, I'm choosing to follow Jesus. After that, you can rip it off and put it in the offering bucket when they come around in just a little bit. Or you can bring it to the Welcome Center. We have a free gift for you and would love to connect because you've just made the greatest decision you'll ever make. But I'm going to ask you all across this place to close your eyes one more time. Don't leave yet. We've got something more for you in just a little bit. But I wonder how many of you would say that you struggle with insecurity, that unlike John, you've not found security with Jesus. Maybe that's you, and you'd like prayer for that this morning. If that's you, with no one looking around, would you slip up your hand? I, so cool. Awesome. All right. God, thank you for so loving us, loving us so much that you think we are to die for I pray that for my friends struggling with insecurity, that your peace, that your joy come upon us and that we learn to find security with you. We thank you that you are who you say you are. And because of that, we know that we are who you say we are. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.